0: Rippy writes with Brian Scott. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What's up? Part two of the Rippy writes podcast on a Monday. We've got Bracken Ray, former Andy Kennedy staffer, Rippy writes basketball correspondent on a huge week for the Ole Miss rebels as they notch wins over NC state and Memphis. We talked about what's changed Improvement wise for this team, the emergence of Brandon Murray as a downhill threat and a sure-handed point guard who does not turn the basketball over, how that's opened up the Ole Miss offense, what getting Musa Cissé back means, the environment on Saturday, a win over a great Memphis team, and if the expectations for this team have changed at all. I think it's going to be an exciting basketball season. Bracken makes it sound like that way as well. We took a look at the rest of the non-conference slate and how this team might fare in SEC play as well. So really think you'll enjoy this conversation. Before we get to that, though, I want to take one quick break to remind you. If this podcast is brought to you by C Spire, it's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with C Spire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why C Spire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99% uptime. C Spire also prides themselves with the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning local service based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. C Spire provides one gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across mississippi birmingham and southern alabama regions c spire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans save yourself a hassle by not waiting for your internet to connection to drop with the other guys call or go online today to cspire.com slash home and use the promo code RIPPY at checkout for one month of free service. That's right. Just for listening to this show, sign up for C Spire Home Internet today and use RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E. You get the first month free. How awesome is that? Can't be waiting for the internet to drop. I've got C Spire Home Internet. It is the best. You should do it too. Check them out. C Spire, customer inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. As you're listening to this, Skybox Sports Picks' college basketball package has gone live on the site. This is their bread and butter. They crush it every single year on college hoops. And if you need any proof of that, they gave away their picks for free on the internet last week, Twitter, wherever else you can catch them on social media, and ended up plus 34.5 units on the week. Yes, you read that correctly or heard that correctly. Plus 34.5 units on the week. Trust me, if you're into college basketball, you don't want to miss this chance to profit. They mop up in college hoops every single year. For a limited time, you can use the promo code NCAAB23 for 50% off your college basketball season long picks package check them out today go online find your own picks package to fit your price range maybe you're using the bowl game package as we got college football conference championships bowl season coming up make a little extra christmas money there use the promo code rippy for 20 percent off they're the best sports handicapping service in the world check them out today skyboxsportspicks.com this podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford if you're a rippy right subscriber that's rippy get a free newsletter from me plus discounted meats right now if you're a Rip Ride subscriber, just go and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three, six ounce bacon wrapped fillets for 20 bucks. If it's a $40 valuation, you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make everything in your house better. People will be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today. LB's University Avenue. They're in Oxford. All right, here's Bracken. All right, we're now welcome on former Andy Kennedy staffer, Rippy Wright's basketball correspondent, Bracken Ray. Checking back in, we talked uh, after the first game of the year, and uh, Ole Miss is yet to lose a basketball game. They're 7-0, and uh, a huge week for them. They brew off a home win where they really just beat the hell out of NC State and then a massive win against a good Memphis team on Saturday. Um, I'll just get right into it. What has your opinion changed over the last two and a half, three weeks about this team?
0: Well, definitely, you know, over the past week, just a huge week for the program, um, obviously beating two P5 teams at home, um, but also very exciting news about, you know, Musa Cisse joining the team, and he played 15 minutes or so um, during the game on Saturday. So, I mean, yeah, high level, the The thought has changed, um, you know, without, without um, Cisse... And having to really depend on Sharp a lot, and you know, playing small ball with breakfield sometimes when you want to, and sometimes where you just have to. Um, I think that the ceiling for this team was a little limited, but you know, adding Cise is going to drastically change things from a rebounding standpoint. Um, he is a elite shot blocker, just like Sharp is as well, and then you know being able to add a luxury play small ball break field but not have to means that I think they're going to be able to tighten their guard rotation a little bit as well because you're not you know you're not forcing planning into play four and breakfield play five as well so the the cSA news is you know domino effect a lot of positives from that and look this team you know seven and oh um got a chance to, finish non-conference play with you know December pretty strong as well so you know this team looks like a team that is going to be competitive come SEC play Um, not you know any hostile road environment so far and you know definitely some teams in the league um, that are going to be better than the Memphises of the world so to speak but yeah I would definitely say that you know, the the expectations for this team has has changed after a, a just super exciting week for Ole Miss basketball.
1: Yeah, it has been. And the C State news is obviously a huge part of it that you just hit on. But prior to the Memphis game this team really looked like even without him, they were starting to play better. Now, is their ceiling the same with or without him? Of course not. But what do you think was the biggest team thing that has kind of changed or evolved with this team prior to Saturday? Because I thought they played, I don't know how good or bad NC State is. I don't think they're particularly great, but Ole yeah. Miss played a really good second half of basketball. And they, you know, won a close game on the road before that at Temple, which whatever you make of Temple, they won you know in another opponent's gym in a true road game. What do you think That's has right. kind of come together pretty quickly for this team, even without Cise?
0: You know, the the interesting thing is I actually thought the change started that Temple game. And I know that it ended up being a super, you know, close game at the end, but I thought for stretches at times in that game, uh, we looked improved and You know, one thing that we've talked about for the past couple years on this podcast is, hey, this this program, regardless of who the coach is, whatever the case may be, has got to have a guy that can get downhill and create. And I know you were at the game yesterday, but Jimmy Dykes talked about how Chris Beard is a get downhill offense kind of guy. He runs a lot of sets and action to where his guards can get downhill and create. So I I think Juju Murray has been a huge piece of that. And he had nine assists yesterday, almost had a double-double from points and assists. Um, And what it's doing right now is Ole Miss has drastically increased their um, paint touches because of this, A. And then, B, they've also drastically – increased their uncontested uh, three-point attempts as well. Um, And so, you know, the three-point percentage that they shot on Saturday, is that something that's sustainable? No, but this team can be an average to good three-point shooting team if their looks are clean, uncontested looks. Um, So I think that's, you know, the first piece of the change. And then the second piece is if you look statistically – Ole Miss is really good offensively and defensively from a points-per-possession standpoint in transition. Um, So they're getting out, you know, getting some some easy buckets. They're trying to push. I think this group is significantly more athletic than, you know, some of the teams that we've seen the past couple years. Um, So really, hey, getting downhill, getting paint touches from being able to create and beat, you know, defenders off the dribble – and transition on both sides of the floor is where I've seen the biggest jump from this team.
1: Murray was the most important player of the week for Ole Miss, uh, I think really probably without it being any close. And yesterday we were going back and forth a little bit after I got home from the game, and it's funny, I noticed this morning when I was texting you about what time, you had asked me the day before, uh, yesterday kind of observations from being there and I had some crowd observations, which we'll get into in a second, but also I had just some game ones too. And one of them was about Murray being seemingly not only the guy, the only guy that could get downhill, but the guy that was doing it with the most regularity on Saturday. So it's funny you mention it from that standpoint and everything uh, that it's opened up for them. I think another impressive part about it too is Beard had a note in his press conference yesterday about how, What a tough kid he was and all that stuff. But the fact that he's learning to trust him more and he didn't come off the floor for a single minute on Saturday, I think throughout the week, if you combine the two games, I believe he played 75 minutes in these last two games and combined for one turnover uh, and 13 assists. He didn't have a single turnover against NC State and just uh, one on Saturday to nine assists. That's something this team we thought was sorely lacking, particularly without having another guard on the floor and some flexibility in the backcourt. If he continues on this trajectory, could this end up being one of these things where you look back and it was like, "This was kind of the missing piece we did not see coming."
0: Absolutely, I've, I've texted people for you know the past couple of weeks, and I've I've made the comment that two things I thought were true: a, Jalen Murray is better than I thought he would be; just hard stop, but b if this team wants to be a tournament team, I thought that Jalen Murray needed to be your backup point guard. And in a scenario where, you know, Brandon Murray's eligible, run point, kind of be a combo guy as well, you know, that is – that's kind of, you know, outside of increasing rebounding, which is happening right now, that was kind of the thing that needed to happen. But he is playing – he's playing at an unbelievable level right now. Um, Sometimes you worry with, you know, a guy coming – from a program like St. Peter's, if it's going to translate, um, you know, to this level and he's paying, he's playing the best basketball that he's played in college so far. One thing that's really interesting about your note on 75 minutes in the last two games, and this is a very in the weed stat, but one of the reasons he's also been able to do that is he's uh, one of the top guys in the country right now in fouls committed per 40 minutes, meaning he is only averaging about one one point 2 fouls per 40 minutes right now meaning that he's not he's not fouling guys defensively which allows his you know utilization his minutes to stay pretty high as well two to one clip from an assist to turnover ratio right now and i don't know specifically what they're doing offensively but it's allowing him to be able to create and get downhill a little bit more. And I think Beard's made some great adjustments in the past, you know, seven to 10 days there.
1: Memphis threw a couple lineups on the floor where I was wondering if they would try to hunt him. Did you notice any of that at all? Cause it looked like on a couple of possessions, he was really mismatched. It either went pretty well or they kind of got out of it. But do you think teams will start to do that more with him being a 5'11 point guard?
0: Yeah, I do think so. And, it's kind of getting to a point, um, you know, with this group where when you've got a lineup of him, Morrell, Flanagan, you know, Breakfield, if he's when he's playing well and Cissé now on the rotation, it's kind of like Ole Miss offense where you have Dart and Judkins and Watkins and Harris and pre And it's like, who do you guard? Like, what do you take away? at that point right this is not an elite offensive team so far but when breakfield is playing consistently right he's not doing that yet it's very up and down and murray taking the step that he has you kind of knew what you're going to get with morale tj caldwell's giving you more than you thought and if flanagan's playing the best college basketball that he's ever played right now it's very hard to kind of figure out as an opposing uh as an opposing coach what do you take away um, and so that's going to be something that's going to be super interesting to see, you know, in the following weeks.
1: Well, and again, at one point, I think after the Temple game was leading the SEC in scoring, you could tell from the first couple of home games that like, this may be the best either. I, I thought at the time it may be secondary scoring option to morale that they'd have, but then it came, he was the primary guy for the next couple of games. He's seemingly a smart player, pretty mature as well. But did you think this was, is this sustainable? And are you surprised by this at all? I I do think
0: so. Um, Do I think he'll, you know, after last night, I think he's somewhere in the 18 to 20 a game range. Do I think he'll stay there? You know, probably not. Um, But I do think that he could stay in the mid-teens from a scoring standpoint. And and another thing that is just, you know, super valuable with him, and it was very important before Cissé joined the lineup, is he's a very good rebounding guard um at one point in time and this still may be the case i'd have to look but he was leading the you know team in rebounds as well so his point, point scoring you know it may come just from saturation that it decreases a little bit um you know as murray increases um in games where Morrell and breakfield are playing well and that may squeeze his you know just attempts but um And, you know, I I think what he's doing now is sustainable. And people forget his sophomore year in college, he averaged 14 a game at Auburn, you know, playing in the SEC. Bruce does a decent job from a non-conference strength of schedule standpoint as well. So, you know, he's he's, he's proven this before in his college career.
1: As we look at Saturday, you've worked on several different staffs. And this question is a little more fitting because obviously it is Beard's first year. But particularly at a place like Ole Miss, when you're early on in the season and you are able to get a somewhat marquee home game early-ish in the non-conference slate, kind of that late November, early December, football has kind of shifted. How important is that to – I mean, how I was about to ask how important is it to win the game. How important are opportunities like that to kind of get some buy-in and get some juice around the team in that season? And in this case, in Beard's first year of program as a whole.
0: Yeah. I think there's a two part approach to it, right? Like from a resume standpoint, and I think Net Rankings are coming out on on Monday, the first one. When when we went into this week, it was kind of like, hey, go just get one of two, right? And it'll keep you, it'll kind of keep you where you need to be. You're not; it's too early in the season where anything's a must win. But one out of two felt good. Getting two out of two is awesome. I'm very interested to see where Ole Miss will be in the net. But to your point, more from a big picture program standpoint, you know this is a program that has, in the past couple of years, has not seen a lot of success. It has been, uh, you know, a little boring at times, to be quite frank. The the style of play, and so it was just such a huge opportunity. And even you know, Ole Miss in the pa- in the last minute or two had blown that game. I think that people that were in that arena and watched on TV just saw that there's a little bit of a shift. Um, you can speak to this a lot more than I can, but even in other situations at the pavilion, where the crowd um, or when, when the arena has been sold out, it's it didn't seem as engaged in the past, you know, couple years and from what I observed on TV, and I know people nitpick the, you know, the club section at certain times, but people seemed really engaged outside of just the students, um, you know, chanting each possession. And it was such a back and forth game. It was the highest possession game that I think both teams had played on the year. And so being able to win seven and zero, now you have all these people that, you know, they want to come back for more. So it, it was just, massive for that program and got a real shot at 11 and one 12 and zero before he hit conference play
1: you're right about that i thought the building was super engaged now part of this in a weird way maybe as a credit to memphis fans they brought a bunch of people and if the four dudes who sat behind me were any indication (laughs) holy shit they were annoying they did not shut up the entire time just like live commentary making fun of this (laughs) making fun of that and it, it it wore on the people Around us in my section, it was actually kind of humorous to watch unfold. There were a lot of Memphis people there. So it almost felt like a little bit of agitation to the fact that who the hell are all these people in bright blue? Was it in a
0: way, in a way, did you think that that made the environment more electric because it made Ole Miss fans? Obviously, there there was a lot more of them, so not match it, but kind of go back as well.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I I think it was more into it from the sheer annoyance of like the Memphis fans there, if that makes any sense at all. Like they got back into it and it got more contentious because there was a large presence of Memphis fans there who were allowed – Too, And I get people kind of complaining about how many Memphis fans are there. I mean, you've worked in college basketball long enough. When you have those basketball first school fan bases, I hate to call Memphis a blue blood, but you get what I'm saying. The Kentuckys, the Dukes, the whatevers of the world. That's just going to happen. That happens everywhere. Those people travel everywhere because they don't give a damn about football.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think the big thing is I've I've said it for years. From an attendance standpoint, I think our students have always been good. Um, It was great
1: again Saturday.
0: Yeah, the fan base as a whole, there's just a little bit more learning to be done on when to be loud, what to chant, you know, when to be on your feet, just simple stuff that I, you know, that I think Beard's going to help with. But well, I mean, watching it on TV, there's so many like just funny characteristics of crowd engagement. You've got John Riley, the strength and conditioning coach who, you know, has the towel on his hand. He's going nuts all the time. You've got, you know, the the manager with the mop who goes crazy. Jimmy Dyke said he was the best manager in the country on TV. I saw there was like a dancing security guard. There's just it, – it's kind of starting to have some personality to it a little bit, um, these games. And, you know, there's winning and losing. And, you know, there there's players, but there's also the other stuff as well. And so it's kind of fun to just see – all the small extracurricular stuff uh, with Memphis in the house Saturday.
1: It helped a ton, particularly that Ole Miss won the game, but I agree with you. I think, one, they, the games are starting to have a bit more personality to it. I think the the Ole Miss athletic department has done a good job in this regard when it pertains to football, but basketball as well. I mean, you had a bunch of people there about 25, 30 minutes before the game and they're zooming in on – it seemed like they were mostly picking on the student section. I doubt they're going to pick on a lot of their donors to put the red shirt on they had in this uh, laid out in the seats. But they would just kind of <laughs> zoom in on people that didn't have the free shirt on until they put it on. And just kind of yeah. funny, quirky stuff like that. They've made it a really fun environment. But I also felt like Saturday, and particularly with the win where you leave and go home with a good taste in your mouth – was kind of a sampling of what we've talked about for years about this program and trying to get it right. Like, college basketball games are supposed to be fun. It's most of the college basketball seasons when there's not a whole lot else going on on campus throughout that part of the school year or sometimes you're off for Thanksgiving or Christmas break, I should say. They're two hours. You get in and out, but they're usually high intensity. They're usually back and forth. And, you know, when you get a good offensive game like that by both teams is what you had on Saturday – it's supposed to be electric and it's supposed to be a lot of fun. It's just a foreign concept to some old Miss fans, but I felt like they got a reminder of that on Saturday.
0: No, totally agree. And you know, one thing that this group plays so hard, all of them, and you know, there's a lot of, you're going to see charges decrease a lot in college basketball just because of rule changes this year. But you know, a lot of diving on the floor for the ball and beard going crazy. The fans going crazy, like the small wins, even if, You know, when Morrell or whoever went to save the ball and you don't get it, our fans are starting to realize that. But another one that's super small is, I believe Ole Miss forced five shot clock violations yesterday, which is insane. Um, And it got me thinking because I think that's been pretty consistent with the year. And Ole Miss right now is fourth in the country in shot clock violations forced right now. Um, And that's a credit to, you know, their defense. And I think Beard still sees some, you know, room for improvement with their defense. Obviously, Cissé coming in is going to help from a defensive rebounding standpoint. Um, Last year, he was seventh in the country in uh, defensive, defensive rebound percentage. But, you know, those things matter. And it's not just, hey, the big lob dunk that people go crazy for. You're starting to see the
1: whole picture now. We will get back to Bracken in just one second. But before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted tea is there to elevate your game day experience it perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments so let's toast to unforgettable game day experience twisted tea the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football keep it twisted this podcast is now brought to you by mc speech therapy Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder mc speech therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC speech therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic using a relationship-based framework. MC speech therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of mississippi with mc speech therapy you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships for service today call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net that is m-a-r-y-c-l-a-i-r-e at mcspeechtherapy.net all right back to bracken I agree. And a couple of things that I noticed on Saturday, we talked about this team defensively and how hard they play. They've been better offensively. You mentioned the downhill piece of it with Murray opening up a lot of uncontested threes and some stuff in the paint as well. One of the things I have noticed though, of their 13 turnovers on Saturday, Memphis turned it over 13 times as well. So they were equal in the turnover battle. It felt like at least five or six of them came at pretty crushing points in the game. There are a couple instances of roll like cut it to two or cut it to three. Yeah. And then- you know, they threw a pass away that looked pretty lazy or they were just discombobulated and had a horrible trip. Or on a couple of possessions, the Memphis guard just kind of took the old Miss guard's ball, whether it was Murray or Caldwell yeah. or somebody else. And all of a sudden Memphis got it back out to six or seven. And I know this team's not going to be an offensive juggernaut by any stretch, but did you notice a common thread throughout all of that? And do you think a lot of that is fixable or are you are just going to have to live with it? Yes.
0: Yes. No, Um, I thought that as well. That's the number one thing that I have is like, the improvement area from the game, because if you end up, you know, Memphis really and truly was hitting one or two shots while they were up seven away from, you know, them maybe pulling that thing out a little bit and Ole Miss just stayed in there, stayed in there, stayed in there. But if Ole Miss had found a way to lose that game, you know, in the last couple minutes, I think the thing you would have looked at is just some lazy, like lazy passes um, not being super engaged when we were handling the ball. There also were some pretty uncontested layup misses as well. And I think that that's one thing where that's you kind of beating yourself, so to speak, um, that I think will get addressed. But also note, and look, I get it, Memphis, is, Memphis Ole Miss has kind of turned into you know a basketball rivalry game and people have their thoughts on Penny. But uh, factually speaking, he is a good defensive coach. And they get up in your grill as good as a lot of teams, uh, a lot of really good defensive teams. So some of that happened from really good guard pressure um, from that group that I don't think Ole Miss will see the rest of non-conference play and we will see in spots um, once SEC play starts.
1: Ole Miss has had the same starting five throughout the, uh, the first seven games of this season. They see say he gets eligible – I don't. Was he eligible on Tuesday? I could never figure that part out. He was he eligible on Tuesday and just didn't play, or did they find out after the game. Do you know what a timeline was on that?
0: From Beard's press conference, it found out. It sounded like they found out like ten minutes before the game started, or something like that. So it was one of these things where I just don't think he was ready yet. Um, and you can tell with say like I, I'm not sure specifically what happened, but at some point in the fall, he got injured and had to miss some time. You can tell he's not in game shape yet. Um, but I do think that the non-conference play allows to work him back in to where, you know, once you look up and into January, he, he's your guy at the five, um, and he's very similar from uh, a rim protector standpoint, uh, blocking shots as sharp as. But this guy's seven feet, 235. He's a, he's a lot bigger and, a uh, you know, night and day difference from a defensive rebounding standpoint that's really going to help uh, this Ole Miss team reduce offensive rebounds and increase possessions as well.
1: Which is going to be a massive lift for them. I don't know what it – I had it up a second ago. They finished somewhat even on the glass, but there was a point in this game where Ole Miss was had 10 fewer rebounds um, than Memphis did, and I think seven or eight of them. And this is like late in the first half for offensive rebounds. And then you could tell when he was on yeah. the floor that it already made a difference how he forced a – a shot clock violation on like the first or second possession was in the game. He had a one handed rebound where it kind of from the angle of it, everyone in my section was like, "Whoa, Holy, Holy shit. That looked a little different. Like he's, he's such a large human being and he's so good on the glass. I think when you want, can get him in game shape, that's going to be a massive help for a team that's struggled at times rebounding the basketball. I thought that was the case particularly early in this game. So timeline wise, you mentioned getting him back into shape. He had the injury in the preseason. Would you loosely set it at, kind of working back, working back, and the fact that he's your starting five when you go to Knoxville to open SEC play? That would be my guess. Um,
0: You know, they may have had him on a lighter minutes restriction Saturday than what the actual minutes played were, you know? It's one of these things where you in your head sometimes as a coach are like, hey, it's going to be 10 minutes, and then it'll be 12 the next game, so on and so forth. But, when you get into crunch time and you're trying to win a game, you gotta throw you gotta throw your guy back out there. Um, so that'd be just my total guess of SEC play. But I think he's gonna be a you know, twenty-two to twenty-five minute a game guy. I think they'll still play small um, in some situations with breakfield and be very it's gonna be very matchup dependent. And I do kind of like that lineup because I lo- I like the four guards that we have right now. And in my opinion, I mean, I think Sharp's going to, you know, start to get squeezed a little bit from a minute standpoint. I mean, he only had 14 yesterday, probably the 12 to 14 range is what you're going to see him at, you know, once conference play starts.
1: Planning had to miss some significant time in this game, particularly early in the second half, with a little bit of foul trouble, and Ole Miss didn't really crumble when he was off the floor. In fact, they cut into the lead as well. That was probably one of the more surprising pieces of the game to me, was it to you as well? Because Ole Miss doesn't play a lot of guys, and he was dipped down to 28 minutes last or yesterday afternoon because of the foul trouble, but Ole Miss actually fared okay without him.
0: Yeah, no, and I think we've talked about it, right? Juju Murray stepping up. Um, and then Morrell just hitting shots when he had good, clean, uncontested looks. He went six for seven from the three-point line last night. And so those two guys stepped up in a big way. Um, you know, Flanagan plays 28 minutes. It kind of seemed like – I would have thought it would have been less than that, the way it felt. But I thought so, too, points. and same
1: with his point total.
0: yeah. He he still had, you know, 18 points. Um, he's he still got 15 attempts at in in 28 minutes. But um, you know, that's that's the thing, is this group has six or seven guys that in you know in any night can kind of go off. And what you really hope for that I think is needed now that you know is back in the mix is you gotta get consistency out of breakfield. The twenty-five one night and three the next—that's that's tough, right? You need you need him to be kind of a 10, 10 a game guy at a consistent clip. Um, but it's also encouraging to know that the the what this group's done a good job of is if one guy's down, you know, there's somebody else that's kind of stepping up. Um, you know, seven games into the season.
1: Last thing on a guy like Murray, he scores the last three baskets of the game. He has the three. They call a timeout. Um, from one of the, in the possession after the timeout, it looks like whatever happened got kind of screwed up, and he took like a 15 foot fadeaway from the near the right baseline going sideways. It's one of those classics, no, no, no. Oh, it went in. Okay. I guess that was fine. <laughs> now it got screwed up, but then comes back down and makes another shot. For a guy like that, you talk about how much almost needs him in a game like that, whether it's the nine to one turnover assist ratio, but to be able to make shots in crunch time like that and really carry a team to a win. How big is that for a guy's confidence as he's trying to find his footing at this level of basketball?
0: Oh, I I think it's huge. Um, You know, he's probably not, he was at St. Peter's, but mid-major school, they played in the tournament. So he's played in some big games, but that's, you know, that's a big time atmosphere from what he's seen in the past. And so being able to do that and kind of know that he's the guy at one right now, I think is going to be huge for him. Um, The other thing that I think he's doing a really good job of right now as an undersized guard, you know, when you're trying to finish around the rim and you're shorter, that can obviously be problematic. What he does a really good job of is he allows the backboard to kind of be a shield for him. um, And he can kind of shield guys off and play stronger than he looks. And so what that means is, you know, you see a lot of guys finish on the opposite side of the backboard than where they start with. And I think that he's done a really good job in the past week of doing that to help him, you know, finish around the rim when a big kind of steps up to try to contest his shot.
1: As we look at the rest of this team's non-conference schedule, you mentioned they got a pretty good chance to finish strong, maybe eleven and one, help maybe run through it at undefeated. What is what? Do you have a particular game or two that you're keeping your eye on? I know they go to UCF. I think that's actually a Sunday game. Next Sunday, yep. you got Cal in San Antonio. Then you get Troy, Southern Miss, Biloxi, a game against Bryant. Then you're an SEC play. So it, it's coming down the stretch yeah. pretty quickly. They only got a handful of home games. Uh, apologies to Mount St. Mary's for not mentioning them off the top. But whatever. <laughs> Do you have a game or two left that you're keeping your eye on as a litmus test for this team?
0: Well, I think there's kind of three games in my head. Um, a, at UCF. Um, it's a big one, right? It's another road game. They're okay. Um, They're, you know, definitely better than like a Temple. I think Dawkins is a pretty good coach, but going and getting a road win is hard. Um, And so I think that's a big one. The second is, I talk about it every year, that game right before Christmas. That's always kind of a trap game um, in my head. Um, and it's against Southern Miss, right? So there's a little bit of rivalry to it. You've got Nick Williams who will be on scout for Southern Miss that night. He knows, you know, Ole Miss and the program pretty well. And they're not playing as good right now as they were last year. Um, but I think they've got a guy that they are just like Brandon Murray. They, they've got a dude who's super important to their roster that they're working to try to get eligible as well. Um, so who knows what could happen in the next couple of weeks. But, hey, in-state game, you know, got a former staffer on the other sidelines, and it's two days before Christmas. That's, that's one. And then the last one is Bryant, uh, which I believe is that last non-conference game before Tennessee. They're, they've been up and down this year, but they beat FAU. Um, and I believe that Phil Martelli's son um, is, there, is their coach right now. Um, and that's just another one as well, where, you know, they, when they're playing and making shots and playing at a high level, they can, they can get, they can get a P five team, um, and get a win there as well. So those are the three games that, you know, you'd look into, but I, I would assume, um, when the next, you know, Ken Palm refreshes that Ole Miss will probably be predicted to, uh, finish non-conference slate with one loss or less.
1: Which is crazy. I'm not sure I would have ever predicted that at the beginning. I didn't know Bryant beat FAU, but th- you're exactly right. They did, and they did it in Boca, which is pretty impressive as well. That's also New Year's Eve on a Sunday at 3 p.m. That just kind of feels dicey when you got a game you know, a week later or six days later in Knoxville to uh, open up SEC play. Last thing on the schedule piece of it, they open it up, as I just mentioned, Saturday, Knoxville, 5 p.m., January 6. After that, they get Florida at home, Vanderbilt at home, and go to LSU. Now, granted, it gets really, really real and real, real tough after that. But outside the road game at Knoxville, that'll give them a chance to, I guess, find their footing a little bit, get off to a decent start before the schedule really toughens up. Am I crazy for thinking that?
0: No, I think you're. I think you're spot on. Um, and the other thing that I kind of like about the schedule, to be honest with you, is there's only two home games before uh, students are back. So, I think, you know, students are back, you know, sometime probably the no, third right week around of that January.
1: Mark.
0: That's right, the third week of January. And so, only having, you know, if you keep winning, only having two games before the, the students are back, I think that's always a big thing. Ole Miss obviously has the winter sessions that they're able to monetize from. But you're right, you know, Vandy does not look good right now. LSU does not either. I'll be honest, I've not watched Florida play just a ton um, this year. But you're right. It's a it's a slate where, hey, you know, two and one, three and oh is, is what you'd kind of hope for um out of those three games before it really gets real and you're you're playing in some dog fights on a nightly basis.
1: Last thing to cover, I know we talked about the CSA getting eligible. Brandon Murray, there was some smoke about that late last week. Do you anticipate a change there? It's kind of just a crock of of you know what that the process plays out the way it is, but has your opinion changed at all? Do you should people hold out any hope of the fact that he gets eligible?
0: Yeah, I mean I think everything's still still TBD there. Um, so I think Beard's pretty good about you know trying to let people know as quickly as he can. Um, but what happens, you know, if you add Murray, uh, he's a he's a real dude that can play combo guard for you. He can score. He can create. Uh, very athletic and playing at LSU in Georgetown he's played you know in some in some pretty uh important high major games in his time as well so you know if you get him in the fold I mean the tournament talk gets real um it, it gets real and being a you know middle half of the the league team gets real and the, you know this conference is kind of a six to eight teams in the tournament. Uh, conference. So you go 11 and one non-conference. And then, you know, if you go eight and 10, you probably go into Nashville, not needing to, you know, not needing to go all the way to Sunday. Maybe you need one, maybe you need two. It, there's a lot a lot of dependencies there on how the SEC shakes out the rest of non-conference schedule, but, you know, no update there. Um, I would anticipate though it's, it's December, it's early December. So, and the NCA has got to make some make some decisions on these things.
1: Yeah, it's it's honestly unbelievable how all of that works. But um, he is Bracken Ray, man. I appreciate the time. This is a fun week for Ole Miss basketball. Uh, I'm certainly bought into it. I've really enjoyed going to the games so far this year. I'm looking forward to a fun winter. But I appreciate Tom as always, dude. We'll check in here soon. Yeah, have a good one. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Hope you enjoyed the uh, para podcast we have out on the Rippy Rights and MPW feed with Bracken and Weldon. Thanks to their time, as always. Big week of Ole Miss sports and a whole lot of exciting stuff ahead. So stay tuned. Got a couple more shows coming for you this week. Thanks for listening to this show, as always, and taking the time out of your day to spend some time with us. Have a wonderful start to your week. We'll talk to you here soon.